All right, man, thanks so much for being here, everybody. Welcome to East Brainerd. If no one has told you that they want to take you to get a big fat yeast roll afterwards, I'm going to tell you, somebody here wants to take you to get a big fat yeast roll afterwards. You just look to your neighbor and say, hey, want to get a big fat yeast roll? And then you guys figure out where they have yeast rolls these days. I don't know. And uh, go grab one. Hey, we're so glad that you're here together. Thank you for being with us online. Uh, thankful to have many of our uh, Hispanic families with us today and worshiping here. And uh, just great to be able to uh, look out. I would say look out and see you. However, man, this pollen is driving me crazy. How about the rest of you guys? I have this yellow film, it just seems like, over my eyes. I need these windshield wipers to go back and forth. I saw someone say, it doesn't snow in the south, it pollens, right? Yeah, amen to that. And it has just been uh, brutal. So if you're dealing with that, I feel your pain. And uh, because I cannot see you, I need you to do me a favor if you don't mind. Uh, you'll notice on the back of your pew, hopefully you'll see one of these little placards like this. We also have them out in our uh, lobby area as well. But if you are new here with us, we would really appreciate if you would just text the word CONNECT to 423-455-5530. Just put CONNECT, you'll get a response back that'll give you a link, and then you can put in your name and, and email address. We would just love to know that you are here with us at uh, EB today. And if you're one of our returning guests, if you've been with us for a while, or if you're part of our East Brainerd family, then please use your phone and scan the QR code that's there on the bottom. And again, that'll open up and you'll be able to uh, just put in your name, how many are with you, and, and we would really appreciate that as we are uh, trying to get back into the swing of things. I told the group that was here at, at 9 a.m. that you are a part of something now that has not um, happened at East Brainerd in about uh, 20 years. And that is that we're having two uh, worship assemblies in our auditorium each Sunday. And we're doing this uh, for a couple of different reasons. Number one, we still recognize that we're in the middle of a pandemic and we have every other pew you'll see that has been roped off and we're trying to socially distance ourselves as we come uh, together. And in order to bring back as many of our church family as possible, we're offering this 9 a.m. and 10.30 time. Now, we did have that in the overflow room, and it was a mask-required service at 9 a.m., uh, but now we have moved the 9 a.m. service here into our auditorium. It is a mask-recommended time, uh, and uh, we're still asking, because we are in Hamilton County, remaining under a mask mandate, uh, that we be good, reminding everyone to be good neighbors, be, be good community members. And so as you're coming in, as you're leaving, we encourage you to please have a mask with you. And we do have sections here in our auditorium. You can see in our corners, there'll be a sign that says, please, if you sit here, uh, keep that mask on. And that's, again, just uh, trying to look out for one another. And uh, so that's one of the reasons that we have things kind of separated and we're doing the two services. Another reason is this. Have you know, did you notice that during the COVID pandemic and how uh, all of a sudden when you weren't coming to a campus for worship, you, you kind of stopped inviting people to come and worship God with you maybe. And we want to get back in the habit of that, of being able to tell people, hey, look, we're going to worship this Sunday. We would love to have you come and, and join us. We'd love to come and have you be with us. And we want to have room for that. The way that we currently have our auditorium sectioned off every other pew, we fit about 300 people in here separated out. 
And what we want to do is be able to have 300 at 9 o'clock, and we want to be able to have 300 at uh, 10.30. And when we hit that, are able to do that, if we still have to keep things separate every other pew, then we'll, we'll figure out a third time that we can meet, right? But we want to be able to fill the space that we're going to be in for our worship time. And so if you'd like to come at 9 a.m. and worship this next week, you're welcome to do so. Bring somebody with you. If you'd like to come at 10.30, you're welcome to do so. Bring somebody with you. And you can, as you see also on the back of your pew, you can go ahead and RSVP and let us know you are coming. Because again, we are trying to keep things separated and it helps us know just the numbers to expect and what to, and what to plan for. And so we'd really appreciate you doing that to help us out. And so um, we're going to continue with our uh, COVID protocols uh, extending on into through the month of April. And uh, hopefully as we get into May and then into June, we're going to be able to relax a few things, uh, but still trying to be aware of our, our health environment that we have here in our county and around us. Uh, but just hang with us. And uh, if you would, please be flexible. Continue that during this time. Uh, but remember... If you're going to be coming at 9 or 10.30, ask somebody to come with you. We got room, okay? We got room, and we want to be able to, to have as many as possible come and be a part. Now, if you were here with us last week as we celebrated Easter together, I asked, what is the one thing in your life that if you could replace it with something new, that you would do that? So if you had one thing that is old right now, that you could replace right now, and you could get something new, what would it be? And a lot of the answers kind of initially focused on cars and, and TVs and, and puppies. There was somebody in this area that said they want a new husband. We tried to investigate to find out who that was, but we, we haven't yet. We're still looking at it. But then we, we kind of moved beyond the superficial, and we got down to the more significant areas because we realized that, that the new that we truly need was a little bit deeper than just wanting a new car or a new pair of shoes. See, for a lot of us, we need a new purpose in life. And we need a new passion. And we need a new hope. And we need a new start and a new beginning. And for some of us, you know what? We just really need a new life. And we said the great news is that because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the new can begin now. And this is the way the Apostle Paul describes it in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He says, Jesus died for everyone, so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. He continues in verse 17. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become, notice that, has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. Notice it doesn't say, will begin. It says that it has begun. That the resurrection has already started within you if you are a child of God. And that's consistent as you look to the life of Jesus because every day with Jesus was a resurrection day. And if you don't believe me, if you don't want to take my word for it, then ask the blind man of John 9 what he saw. Go ahead, ask him what he saw after being with Jesus. Listen to the man in Mark 5 talk about what life was like before Jesus set him free from the legion of impure spirits that inhabited him. See, the promise of the gospel is not just new life one day. The promise of the gospel and the promise of Jesus is that new life 
begins now. And if we could ever get this, and if we could understand it and truly process it, I really do believe that it could have a huge impact on not only our individual lives, but also our marriages, the way in which we conduct ourselves out in public, the, the way in which we go about planning our future, the way that we look at the events that are taking place around us, I really believe it changes everything when we understand that new begins now. So I want you to think, and I want you to, I want you to project yourself a year into the future. And I want you to see yourself one year from today. And I want you to think about what it would be like if a year from today, if you were to be here and be free from the maladies that plague so many in our generation. The loneliness and the fear and the anxiety. If you were to be here and the anger was gone, the bitterness, the insecurity, the lust, the keeping up with the Joneses syndrome. Imagine that a year from today, you did not have to have worry or stress. They didn't overpower you and, and push you down with all of their weight. And instead, you felt calm. Instead, you were able to lay down at night and you were able to put your head on the pillow and enjoy a restful sleep. Imagine a year from today that you would have a life that just erupted with joy. That, that a year from today, there was a contentment and there was a thankfulness in your life. That the people who were in your life that there was something about them, that there was a refreshing gift to be in those relationships. Imagine feeling so well off that you, you don't need more money or more stuff to feel content. In fact, you might even see yourself a year from today being more generous and giving. And who wouldn't want to be a more loving person? Imagine yourself one year from right now and there is more love in your, in your life and you're able then also to be loving to those who are unlovable in your midst. Imagine being able to forgive and move on. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine a life like that a year from now? I don't know, maybe you question if it's actually possible. Well, see, the Apostle Paul thought it was, and in fact, he believed that because of the resurrection, there is a new power that we have access to. A new power that allows there to be a change in our life that we don't have to wait a year out, but it's something that we can actually have take place right now. Here's what he says in Ephesians chapter 1. He says, I pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. It's the same power that brought Jesus Christ back from the dead. He says there in that chapter, my prayer is that you would know the power of Christ's resurrection in your life. And the verb tense that Paul uses makes clear that, that believers in Jesus can know this power right now. It's not one day, it's not someday, it's not a year from now. And so Paul's desire is that, not that you would just cope with life, not that you would just endure life, not that you would just get through with life, not that you would just deal with it, but that you would experience the power of the resurrection in your life right now. The very power to forgive, the, the very power to overcome, the very power to endure. Paul says, new begins now. And then you walked out of the Easter service last week. And you began to live life. And maybe you thought, man, how does this, how does this work? 
How can I be a new person in this old world that I'm living in and I still have these, these same old desires and I have these old temptations and I have these old passions? Well, well let's kind of, let's bring it home to our living room a little bit this morning. Let, let's kind of bring it down to where the rubber meets the road. You want a new life? You want something to, to, to be different about you? You want new to begin now? Then, then imagine this. What if for one day Jesus became you and lived your life? Think about that. What if for 24 hours, Jesus wakes up in your bed and lives your life with your schedule and with your boss and with your family and with your bank account? Your health doesn't change. The circumstances in your life are the same. Your problems don't go away. There are no changes except one. One change. What if for one day, Jesus lived your life with his heart? With his heart. Your heart gets the day off, and, and your life is led by the heart of Christ. So that means that his priorities govern your actions. And, and his, his actions drive your decisions. His love directs your behavior. What would that be like? Would the closest people in your life notice a difference? Would your family see a change? Would there be something about the coworkers that you are with each and every day, would they look at you and say, I just, I can't put my finger on it, but there's something different. Would your friends say that something about you has changed? Would those who are less fortunate be treated the same, or would they notice a difference? And how about your enemies? I mean, how about the people that hate you? And, and trust me, there are people out there. Just because you're not paranoid doesn't mean there's no one out to get you. Just think about that for a minute. I mean, what would your enemies, would your enemies receive more mercy from you? Would they? And then what about you? Would you pick up on the changes? You think you would sleep better if Jesus' heart was your heart? Would you enjoy more sunsets? Would you still worry about death and taxes? Do you think you would look in the mirror and have a different, different response to the body that you see? Would you spend your time the same? Would you medicate the same? Would you date the same? If Jesus were to take over your heart, would anything change? Now, now look, stay in this moment for just a little bit longer with me. And I want you to get a picture of what life might be like if Jesus, if Jesus lived your life with his heart. And I want you to settle in on that picture. And I want you to take a screenshot. And I want you to focus on that picture. Don't delete it from your mind. I want you to see what you would look like if Jesus' heart directed your life. You got it? Because what you see is what God wants. He wants you to think and to act like Christ Jesus. I mean, he really does. God actually expects that you and that, that I will look more and more each day like his son. But that can only happen if we allow Jesus to control our heart. Now look, the, the biblical heart is not the organ that, that pumps blood throughout the body. The biblical heart is the very essence of who you are. It's what makes you tick. It's what drives your actions and your decisions. And God offers, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, through that very same power, to make what makes you, you, New. To change it. To change you. 
Once again, listen to the Apostle Paul. He's going to describe God's expectation. I love this. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 23. You were taught to be made new in your hearts, to become a new person. That new person is made to be like God. Made to be truly good and holy. You see, God wants to take what is old and what is busted and what is broken. He wants to take that self, that, that person that you are, and he wants to make it new, replacing our heart with the heart of Jesus. And that's good news, right? I mean, it's good news because that means we're not stuck with today's personality. We're not stuck with today's purpose. We're not stuck with today's passion. It means we can change. It means that worriers don't have to worry the rest of their life. And so what if you were raised a bigot? You don't have to die one. You can change. Our selfish offerings, our, our pessimistic outlooks, our angry outbursts, they can all be overcome by the power of God because new begins now. See, I really think God wants us to have a heart like Jesus. I mean, call me crazy, but I believe this. I believe that God wants us to have a heart like Jesus. So, all right, well, what, what does that mean? Again, let's, let's put it down. Let's put it down in the living room where we understand it. I think he wants us to have a heart that's pure. I think he wants us to have a heart that's pure. You know, Jesus was adored by thousands, and yet he was content just to, to live a simple life. He was cared for by by women, yet never was accused of having lustful thoughts. He was accused by his creation, but he was willing to, to forgive them even before they came and asked for mercy. Peter, who had traveled with Jesus for some three and a half years, when he would write to Christians later on in his life, he would describe Jesus as a lamb unblemished and spotless. John concluded that in Jesus there was no sin. He had a pure heart. And I think God looks at you and says, that's what I want. I want there to be purity in your life. I want there to be, I want there to be a, someone that can look at you and say, you know what? There's somebody who truly wants to live in a way that brings honor and glory to God in the purity of their life. God wants you to have a heart like Jesus I think that also means he wants us to have a heart that's peaceful. You know, the disciples worried about feeding the large crowds, but Jesus didn't. He, in fact, he delighted in the fact that he had the opportunity. He thanked God for the problem. The disciples shouted out in fear because there was a storm around them, and there was Jesus sleeping on the boat. Didn't seem to mind him at all. You know, Peter drew his sword to kill, but Jesus lifted his hand to heal because his heart was at peace. When the disciples abandoned him, he didn't pout and, and go home. When Peter denied him, he didn't lose his temper. When the soldiers spit on him, he did not strike back in vengeance. He forgave them because he had a heart that was filled with peace. What would your week look like this week if you demonstrated the peaceful heart of Jesus? Would it change the way that you... Would you change the way that you... you, you you, do, you act at, at home? Would it change the way that you act at work? God wants you to have a heart like Jesus. I think that means he wants us to have a heart that's purposeful. You know, Jesus, it seems, had one goal. He was single-minded. He came to seek and to save the lost. And, and he refused to allow people or circumstances to deter him. So that means 
Well, he attended parties with tax collectors and sinners, and, and he touched lepers, and he hugged children, and he talked to women at wells. He, he fed the hungry, and he rebuked demons. Because he knew that the cross was in his future, he determined to live in the present, showing the people what God-like love truly looked like. <laughs> and guys, let's be honest. Our hearts are like squirrels, right? I mean... We're focused on the Lord one minute and then boom, boy, we're off to something on Netflix and we're binging over here and, and we've got all these different things that's going on in our lives and we can't be focused. And God says, I'd love for you to have a heart like my son. I'd love for you to have a heart that is focused on people and a heart that's focused on changing their lives and bringing them closer to me. I want you to have a heart like Jesus. And I think that means he wants us to have a heart that's spiritual. You know, the first recorded sermon of Jesus begins with the words, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Scripture says that Jesus was led by the Spirit and that he was full of the Spirit. When he returned from the desert temptation, it says that he returned in the power of the Spirit. We know it was Jesus' habit to attend worship. It was his practice to memorize Scripture. And Luke says that Jesus often slipped away and went to the lonely desert places in order to pray. He, he, his life reflected the intimate relationship that he shared with the Father. He said, I am in the Father and the Father is in me. I am the Father, we are one. That was the relationship that he had. And friends, God wants the same relationship with you. He said, that's the heart that I want. That you want to be so connected to me. That your days are spent in prayer and in praise. And that you're focused on me in worship and the way that you live out your life. And that you are listening to the leading of the Spirit. And you're allowing those gifts to come out in your life. I want you to have a heart like Jesus. The heart of Jesus was pure. And it was peaceful. And it was purposeful. And it was spiritual. And ours seems anything but that, right? I mean, his was pure. And ours, our heart's greedy. His heart was peaceful. But we are so stressed. And, and, and he was so purposeful. And we get so distracted. His was spiritual and we are so earthly. It's like night and day. It's like, all right, Chris, how can we ever hope to live with the heart of Jesus? But here's the thing. If you are a Christian, if you are a child of God, you already have the heart of Jesus. You already have the heart of Christ. Now don't look at me like that. I'm serious. I mean this. It's true. If you are in Christ, you already have the heart of Christ. It's one of the supreme yet unrealized promises of God. Simply put, it's this. If you have given your life to Jesus, Jesus has given himself to you. He's made your heart his home. And it's why Paul says, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. You say, but wait, if... If I already have the heart of Christ, then why do I live like I don't? I mean, why am I not more pure? And, and why am I not more peaceful? And why am I not more purposeful? And I, why am I not more spiritual in my life? Well, I think part of the answer is illustrated in the, in the story about a lady who had a small house on the seashore of Ireland at the turn of the century. She was, she was quite wealthy, but she was also very frugal. And so her neighbors and friends were surprised when, when she was one of the first to have electricity put there into her home. 
And several weeks after the installation, a, a meter reader appeared at the door and he asked if everything with her electric power was going well and she said it was. And, and he said, well, I'm just wondering then if you can explain something to me. Your meter shows scarcely any usage. Are you using your power? Well, certainly, she answered. Each evening when the sun sets, I flip the switch and the lights go on and I leave them on just long enough to light the candles and then I turn them back off. Yeah, she's tapped into the power, but she never uses it. Her house is connected, but not altered. Does this sound familiar to anybody? Can you see that in your own life, where we make the same mistakes? Guys, our souls are saved, but our hearts are unchanged. And every once in a while, we'll come by, maybe on a Sunday, maybe some other time during the week, and... And we'll flip the switch and, and we'll get a little bit of that godly power and everything will be great. And then we turn it back off and go about our life. We're connected but unaltered. Content to live in the shadows. When we could be living in the light. So what would happen if we left the light on? What would happen if we not only flipped the switch but lived in the light? You see, I think God has a very ambitious plan for our lives. I believe the one who saved our souls longs to remake our hearts. But do you want that to happen? Do you want to be different? You see, God is willing to change us into the likeness of Jesus, but we must desire to be changed. It's why Paul told the, the Christians in Colossians chapter 3, put on your new nature. He says, you've got to flip the switch. Be renewed as you learn to know your Creator and become like Him. There's an expectation. He goes on to say, in this new life, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter your background or your station in life. It doesn't matter if you were raised in church or, or in a bar, if you're rich or if you're poor. He says, what matters is Christ. He says, Christ is all that matters. And He lives, get this, in all of us. And so what I asked you earlier, when I said, hey, can you imagine, just for 24 hours, Jesus living your life, and what that would be like, I need you to understand, God longs for you to take him up on that offer. He's waiting for you, wanting to know when it's going to happen, that you decide, you know what, I am going to allow the heart of Jesus to truly live my life. So what would it look like this week? Why don't you commit to finding out? Why don't you ask God right now to exchange your old heart for one that is pure and for one that is peaceful, for one that is purposeful and for a heart that is spiritual? Guys, let's just be honest. There is something new that we need in our life. We need a new heart. We need a heart like Jesus. And the good news is, Jesus is as alive in you today as he ever has been. New begins now. Will you join me in prayer? Father, I don't know why we just want to flip the switch every once in a while and tap into your power here and there. 
I don't know why that we wouldn't want to have this peaceful and pure and purposeful and spiritual life all the time. But there's something that's whispered in our ear. Maybe, maybe it's that accuser. Maybe it's the evil one and he whispers and says, you don't need it. Just live your life the way that you want to. But Father, we come to you today. We come to you today wanting to accept the challenge of being changed by you. Truly believing that new can begin now. That as your children, you desire to have your son live through us. Father, will you give us the courage to wake up, to wake up in the morning and say, Lord, you can have my heart. Will you give us the courage to say that each morning this week? And then, Father, amaze us at the results. Amaze us at what happens when your peace and your purity and your purpose and your spirituality invade and truly rule our lives. Father, thank you for not leaving us on our own. Thank you for not just having it where we have to make do in this life with, with nothing but our own ingenuity and with our own power. But we thank you for the power that was evident at the resurrection of Jesus. And may we too claim as Paul that that power is still present today and that we can change and there can be a difference in our life. Father, may that change begin right here, right now. May new begin now in our lives. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Friends, if you would like to talk more about today's message, I want you to know that in our prayer room, just located off our lobby, one of our elders, one of our pastors will be there and be glad to um, talk with you, to pray with you about anything that might be on your heart or mind, to talk with you about perhaps being baptized into Christ, if that is something that you have never, have never done before. We want you to know that we always want to be in prayer for you. You can text prayer to 423-455-5530. You can do that today. You can do that during the week. does not matter. Text prayer. You'll receive a response back, and then you can put your request in, and you can know that people here, part of our EB family, will be praying for you. Again, we are so thankful that you are here today. We're going to close out singing and song, and then one of our pastors, Steve Kahn, is going to be closing us out in prayer. Guys, have a great week. Go get a big fat yeast roll and live your new life starting today. Let's sing.